fantastic. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TF Tuesday podcast. My name is Zill. It's great to have you back here. I hope y'all have been having a good week. It's been quite a snowy one in my neck of the woods. We had uh, quite a lot of snow, uh, 30 centimeters. I don't know what that is in Imperial, but uh, we had to dig ourselves out. So that was a little bit fun. Today, I have a very special guest joining us, and I'm really excited to chat with them about a variety of topics, including some older websites, as well as Transfer, Weasel, and all the cool stuff that she does in VR. But um, before we get to that, I just want to note, as always, that if you like our content and you'd like to support us on Patreon, please feel free to join us over at patreon.com slash Tuesday. You can join our Discord and ask questions and get all of the wonderful behind-the-scenes thoughts of myself and my ramblings about Pool Toy TF. So uh, if that's your interest, feel free to give us a, a join there. And as always, please like, share, subscribe, wherever it is you're listening to this podcast. It really helps us and continues to bolster the things that we can do in the future, be it live recordings at various different conventions or what have you. But now that that's out of the way, I'd like to turn to our illustrious guest. So Nikani, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, my name is Akani. I have been in the TF community for probably 20 to 25 years now. I've been in the fandom for probably close to 30 years. And uh, I had a lot of involvement in... Uh, various hosting sites probably a decade ago now um <laughs> and more recently i uh create avatars for uh virtual reality uh particularly with a theme uh, around uh, transformation amazing yeah you know it's i'm so glad that you were able to to join us and i've seen your name around throughout the years um which is always <laughs> exciting and you know one of the things that really stands out to me is some of your current involvement with at least some of the websites of of your um i know that transfer comes to mind off the top of the bat and i know mm -hmm. you're not necessarily involved with like the like day-to-day -day administration or anything like that but i believe you are hosting it on your server is that correct yeah that that's correct um they came to me probably about six or seven years ago and were looking for a new web host and i happened to be in <laughs> in the right uh place at the right time mm -hmm. and uh, had the resources to be able to help them out and so they uh they happily rent some space from me and have continued to run uh, to this day. That's awesome. You know, I mean, transfer was the start of my kind of introduction to the like mm -hmm. TF community online. So I'm really glad that, you know, you were able to kind of create a space for them to kind of continue on and such. Do you do much else besides hosting or is it just the hosting itself? It's primarily just the hosting uh, for transfer. There was a fair bit more involvement with Weasel, uh, but uh, yeah, as far as transfer goes, it was uh, primarily just the hosting. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, one of the things I've noticed in particular with a lot of the community-run transformation websites like Transfer is that they are kind of being held together by shoestrings and the goodwill of a few individuals. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate your goodwill on that front. And as you kind of alluded to, I know that you are a fairly important part of Weasel as well. Mm -hmm. I was curious to know a little bit as to like how you got involved with that in the first place 
and how things have kind of evolved over the course of your time being involved with Weasel. Sure. So that one actually has a bit more of a story to it. Oh, I don't actually remember how far back it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> many years ago. Yeah. Um, I want to say probably around 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. There were continuing issues and glitches that were popping up with uh, for Affinity, which was the big site at the time. And I wrote a blog post detailing what I saw as a potential for the ideal website mm -hmm. uh, for art hosting in general. Um, and I laid out a bunch of uh, details. And it turns out that a young programmer by the name of Kihari read my post and took some of the ideas from it mm -hmm. and started coding up a website. And he used it to learn programming. So it was actually a really good boost for him. And then a few, a few years later, Weasel opened. I recognized a lot of the features mm -hmm. and got in contact with them and started out as just being a mod. And then as things progressed and expanded, I ended up becoming uh, one of the directors mm -hmm. and took over hosting of the site. And so that's another site that I have been uh, hosting pretty much since 2013. Wow. Is when I started hosting it. And so that's been, that is the largest site that I host at the moment, mm. but that actually lives on the same server. That's incredible. And, you know, Weasel, when I think about Weasel, it's probably the next biggest furry website after Fur Affinity. What kind of challenges have you found in terms of helping to, you know, do some of the more like administrative side of things? I, I know, like you started out as a mod, mm -hmm. and I imagine that's grown in, in the kind of responsibilities as your role has expanded as well. Yeah, I always make the joke of uh, don't let friends run uh, art websites. <laughs> um, it is... There is a fair amount of stress, and mm -hmm. working with them gave me a great deal of respect for the the team at Fervinity right. and what they must go through at their volume. And it is, uh, it's just, it's a, it can be at times a thankless job. Um, mm -hmm. There is a lot of people expect things to just run flawlessly, and anytime they don't see any problems it's invisible and anytime they do see problems you know it's it's the worst thing right. um so uh and that's i think that's true of most social moderation oh, yeah. uh, uh sorts of uh setups where you're if you're doing your job right you're invisible the perils of running anything online these days honestly <laughs> it, it's very true one of the other things that I found uh, that actually caused a fair bit of problem with mm -hmm. the administration of Weasel was the tendency to look at the other sites as your competitors and to instinctively go for looking at what they are, how they are handling a certain situation and uh, assume that the opposite of that situation is the correct course uh, rather than reviewing what the issue is and coming up with you know an actual correct answer right. uh just being contrarian right. that actually caused a fair bit of problems early on with weasel mm -hmm. was some of the staff would look at how fa was handling things and would say well let's go the other direction 
Um, <laughs> which is not always what you wanted to do. No, no, it's not. Were there um, any ones, like any issues in particular that really stand out as like, oh yeah, we were trying to just do kind of the opposite and that was not the right call? Um, I'm trying to remember if there are any good examples of that. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably around the time where most of the art sites pretty collectively started moving away from square thumbnails and smaller thumbnails. Right. And that was actually one of my big projects while I was there was to do a bunch of research into, okay, what was, you know, what was the average aspect ratio of what everyone was uploading and what worked best as far as layout. And there was some pretty strong pushes internally at the time to specifically look at what FA was doing with their setup Mm -hmm. and try and do the opposite rather than try to do the research. So we did end up going the research route and it ended up working out very well. Uh, But it definitely, (laughs) there were some behind the scenes conflicts for it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I mean, I imagine that running a, you know, a furry website of any size is always going to come with those kinds of internal disagreements or uh, kind of issues that need to be kind of hashed out in a collective way in order to make sure that things run smoothly. Because as you said, no one is really paying attention until an issue comes up and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, why is there an issue? And then it's a fire drill, yes. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh man. I'm curious as well then, one thing that I hear from a lot of people quite frequently, is that they don't like for affinity for X, Y, or Z reason. And oftentimes, the first thought that comes to mind is, okay, why don't you go to some of the other furry websites? Because of course, there's Weasel, there's Ink Bunny, there's So Furry, there's some that I'm sure I'm forgetting right now. But they've never, at least from my perspective, and maybe you have numbers to disprove me, but they've never seemed to eclipse for affinity in kind of usage or popularity. And I've always wondered why that is. So I was curious if you have any like thoughts or speculation as to why people are so ingrained with using fur affinity in particular, when there can be many quality of life improvements that are introduced on a website, like for example, Weasel, I know that it's done a few things that honestly are better than fur affinity. And I just wonder why people don't necessarily migrate over and if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, so that is definitely a thing that happens. And it's actually something that we're seeing now with all of the turmoil that's happening with Twitter, uh, to see it on a larger scale. You have essentially websites obtain critical mass. Mm -hmm. Everyone is on for affinity because everyone is on for affinity. You get a certain size of user base and the growth of the user base becomes Mm self-sustaining where just the act of there are so many connections to be had, even if it is not as good at certain tasks. Mm -hmm. And I will say to their credit that when Weasel was first taking off, the Fur Affinity staff did take notice and they did start doing a lot of upgrades and fixes Mm -hmm. Uh, things that people had been asking for for years, uh, things that had brought about my original blog post that they were not thinking were an issue. They saw it running on Weasel and on the other sites as well um, and implemented it themselves. And they actually, there's a couple of areas 
where FA actually uh, does better than Weasel is a couple of things. Oh, yeah. Where they took our improvements over them and then made another step further. So it, it becomes much less of a competition mm-hmm. it, when that happens, which is nice. Oh, yeah, um, Where there is a lot more communication and sharing between the sites. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in general, sites of the, the largest site will usually stay the largest unless they do something really egregious. <laughs> and I mean, it was uh, DeviantArt before Furfinity really took off. Um, and who knows, some other site may come in and, and take over eventually. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, one of the mental images that comes to mind sometimes is like when you have a website that, like you said, has just got a critical mass that it's self-sustaining. It's almost like it occupies this black hole within like the web media or the web, uh, I guess, culture in that Mm -hmm. things are just constantly drawn. Like people are constantly drawn into the website, even if there's problems. And yeah, you get some like detritus of like whatever as waste, but like of people leaving, so to speak, but like there's always people to pull back in. Yes. I think it's great that you mentioned DeviantArt. Honestly, I've <laughs> DeviantArt is its own thing and I know it still exists <laughs> and is still going, but I don't really know who is actively using it, um, at least from a furry perspective. But, you know, it's always interesting because when I think about the shift from DeviantArt to fur affinity it felt at first almost like it was a little bit gradual then there was that kind of period where people had like profiles on both and maintained both and then it was kind of like all at once i think there was just this kind of sudden drop off and then it was like mm-hmm. okay well there's nothing on deviantart anymore so i'm gonna stop going there yeah. and i guess yeah it's a it's a good way to kind of frame it and like when you talk about twitter you know it's kind of going through that deviantartification right now in the sense that uh you know a lot of people have left it there's still enough to like kind of self-sustain it but it's clear it's like teetering and no one's really sure what's going to happen long term but you know i guess it's interesting that that hasn't necessarily happened yet to fur affinity in some sense because again i do think that you know just as you said yeah fur affinity definitely has quality of light things over other websites like weasel and such but um, there's definitely other things that on other websites that fill in that other niche. And I just wonder what it will be that uh, mm-hmm. pushes people to whatever website it is, new or existing or otherwise, because it always feels like it's inevitable until it's not, I guess. Yeah, there does seem to have been a pretty strong push towards uh, Twitter over the last few years. I noticed a lot of artists that are only posting their art on Twitter. And yeah. so only in the last few months, as things have kind of imploded there, are people starting to look at uh, self-hosted sites again. And they're yeah. they're starting to go, eh, maybe having all of our content in one of four central corporations is not a good idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, so they're starting to realize, okay, I need to actually like have backups and... Uh, maybe spread out a little. So it, it will be interesting to see uh, where things go in the next few years. Yeah. Because I think we probably will have another. I don't know that we'll have a shift away from for affinity. Mm-hmm. I do think there is already a shift away from Twitter, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I'm. I am curious if we are going to see a 
move back towards web 1.0 not like actual architecture wise but like in terms of vibes or if things are going to remain more in these kinds of corporate owned websites with like a few more significant uh side things but still having those big corporations occupy a significant amount because obviously web 1.0 didn't have any of that it was all decentralized and i just wonder now Mm -hmm. if there is going to be a shift back towards that kind of uh an internet or if we're at this point where the pull of the mega corporations is just inextricable and continues to operate in a sense like the black hole i described earlier right but I will say, you know, when it comes to Web 1.0, I know that you're, you also had some experience with that and, you know, being within the TF community for a number of years have some insights as to what the space was like back then. So I was curious if you would be able to tell us a little bit more as to how you got into that space and what it was like back in the day, especially, you know, in particular for listeners who were uh, born after the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um yeah, so that's actually a good question. A lot, probably a lot of the uh, my first exposure to transformation art was back in uh, news groups, mm-hmm. and those were very popular right at the pretty much the beginning of Web 1.0, mm-hmm. where everyone had their own individual websites. Uh, we had news groups, uh, we had FTP sites, the VCL. Uh, Art Archive was one of the big art sites of the time, and that was primarily an FTP site. Yes. Uh, although they did get a web a web version of the site up and running, and that one was was interesting because it was early enough in the web that there wasn't a lot in the way of data center hosting, mm-hmm. so they would actually have mirrors of the site hosted by individuals. And they had probably four or five mirrors going uh, at different locations. Mm -hmm. Um, This was back in the very early 2000s. That led to Transfer. I believe Transfer was one of the first centralized art sites that really uh, focused on getting to a web uh, 2.0. layout where it, where the site was user-driven content mm-hmm. and was was more interactive. And the first version of the site, if I remember correctly, did not have comment, any sort of commenting capability on the images. It would just go and browse. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, comments did come in later, uh, which was nice. Yeah, it was a lot more decentralized. Uh, people mm-hmm. were meeting up on different IRC uh, servers and channels. It was very word of mouth to be able to find those. So you would find one and then make some friends there and the friends would mention another server to connect to. And so then you'd have to go over and connect to the other one. And mm-hmm. so uh, not nearly as connected as it is today. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And for our uh, unfamiliar viewers, uh, what is an FTP site? Oh, so I guess this goes for news groups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, so sure. the internet has more protocols than just the web. Mm-hmm. Um, you have yeah, email as a protocol. Technically, things like Discord and Telegram are also protocols. Yes. IRC was the proto chat protocol that, that was used 
I believe from the late eighties onward. Yeah. Still, still used, still used. And still used in some places. <laughs> uh, FTP uh, stands for file transfer protocol. It was basically just a method of browsing and downloading or uploading files from a remote server. And by browsing, I mean, you got to browse the file names. You couldn't see icons or anything. Yeah, yeah. So you had, if you wanted to know what something was, you had to download it and hope it was the file name was descriptive enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you could get some pretty nasty surprises sometimes back yes, in the day. <laughs> there was, this was way before tagging or description yeah. fields or any of that. It was um, definitely the Wild West. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it most definitely was. And I always think back, uh, in particular, one of the first kind of, uh, I guess, groupings of TF material that you could find online were in things like Yahoo groups, which obviously doesn't exist anymore. And I just sometimes I think back to like, how you'd have to navigate those uh, groups and try to figure out what it was that someone was trying to share or whatever and be like, uh, this file name is like a bunch of numbers. I have no idea what it's going to be. I hope it's good. Hit download. And then it's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was definitely a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Are there any old websites that you wish still existed in some semblance today? Because, I mean, there's been plenty that have come and gone. And some were, like, quite phenomenal for their day. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, you know, they would need upgrading to kind of keep with the times. But any websites <laughs> stand out in particular that you really miss? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can think of any specific ones that I really miss. There were several TF writers who uh, used to have their own websites, and they would uh, mm -hmm. they would publish all their stories there. Actually, some of those websites are still around. They just haven't been updated since 2005. <laughs> and those are those those writers have gone on to get FA accounts and their stories. Yeah. Like they're still writing today, and their stories get published there now. But I do, I do still have bookmarks for those sites. Yeah, you don't want to lose them. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there were any other particular like sites that are just no longer around. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm drawing a blank at this point, but yeah, I guess I mean this this wasn't like a broad website, but I do still miss um, Fox's website. Um, she had mm, such great yes. content on there, and I remember when it went down, kind of out of nowhere, I was genuinely upset for a few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's a good reminder that nothing is permanent. Um, yeah. Nothing lasts forever, and. If you want to save something, uh, definitely make a backup. Yeah, uh, th that was actually something that I would be telling artists to do back when we were first getting Weasel off the ground. Is even if you're using FA as your primary site, have your artwork posted somewhere else as even just as a backup. Yeah, there was there was one other art site if i remember correctly it was furry art pile i believe was the name of it oh yeah and it was a site that popped up right around that same 2008 2010 time period and uh it was run by a uh single guy who was 
coding and managing the entire site himself. Uh, and it, it went viral. People started migrating over and King got the first bandwidth bill in and decided managing the site wasn't fun anymore and overnight turned it off. Just no notice or anything. Just mm-hmm. one day the site was gone. There was an outcry about this and he reluctantly turned the site back on long enough for people to download their content from it. Uh, I think he brought it back up for two weeks. Yeah. And everyone had two weeks to get all of their stuff backed up. So, wow. And your site can go away. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, it's funny because we hear like, oh, you know, anything you put on the internet is out there forever. But more often than not, stuff disappears, like you said. And I think now that I'm thinking about it as well, there was uh, the original version of TF Spot back in the day died one day without warning. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of great old content that was on there that is now just gone forever um because plenty of it never made it onto like the later iterations right and a lot of this is previous to the web archive project yes yes so they don't have archives of that because this was these sites predated them starting to take archives of the internet as they could yeah exactly and and you know speaking of the you know archive like even the stuff that is on there now may not be there forever given current uh, i believe legal cases going on over the fact that they have some books that were backed up onto them because they were uploaded somewhere and people want that taken down or want to restrict their ability to keep things in check so even stuff on archive.org i mean it feels pretty permanent right now but it might not always be permanent in the future yeah and it's just a reminder that Everything is so transitory these days on the internet. And like you said, you really do have to like save everything if you want to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the other things I was really interested in chatting with you about was some of the stuff that you currently do in VR. And, you know, we've talked about VR on this show a number of times in terms of like all the cool things that are possible within it, especially from a transformation lens. Um, and I think you're the first mm-hmm. person we've had on who actually like does the creation of those things, which is fascinating <laughs> to me. So I guess to sure. kind of start off on the ground level, what was the kind of introduction for yourself into VR? And how did that start to uh, pull you in towards, you know, making things within VR that were transformation themed? So my friend Katana was showing me around VR chat. Uh, I had just been getting into using that, mm-hmm. kind of learning the ropes there. And we had gotten into discussions about different different transformation ideas of what could this engine be used for. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of previous using a social platform for VR content. Okay. By using uh, Second Life. Ah, yes, Second Life. And so, so Second Life was kind of my precursor to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was you know, there's plenty of various different role plays and such that went along there. But I definitely started learning Blender and that sort of thing to be able to make assets for Second Life. That led into VR Chat, and then one day I got a message from Katana saying hey, there's this other VR platform. You have to see it. It has so much TF potential. 
and she introduced me to Neos. Mm-hmm. And so I joined up and, and took a look at it. And I think it was within half an hour of joining the platform, someone demonstrated how they could use a tool and point it at you. And suddenly you were turned in into a cat. Um, <laughs> and uh, just it was this this sudden explosion of, oh, hey, everything's interactive uh, and everything can talk to each other and you're doing all of your creation within the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything's so much more immersive and collaborative. And that just <laughs> blossomed, in, blossomed into pretty much unending ideas for uh, different things that we could do there. Some of the uh, smaller items that we've played with are obviously improved versions of a wand or i'm sorry a staff that katana has she can hit someone over the head with and it turns them into a cat um that sort of thing or shrinks their size or i uh we, we started playing around with using shape keys on models to make more smooth transformation effects mm-hmm. uh, it's mostly just playing with the different visual effects that are possible and we definitely run into a lot of issue of uh not so much having the question of whether we could do something but whether we should do something that happens often mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it's you know occasionally you'll uh you, you, you'll try something out and it'll it'll crash the game but it's just it's over the last i guess now two and a half years three years uh, yeah, about two and a half years. It has just progressed into I'm, you know, now I'm finally getting into I'm actually working on making my own avatars from scratch, keeping in mind what I want to do transformation wise with them. Right. I have probably over the last year been using a B as my avatar, and that's mm-hmm. that's definitely connecting me with me very nicely. Uh, so I'm working on my own model from scratch for that. I, I think you kind of you, you run into different. Oh, how do I want to describe this? Different moods, like different situations. And sometimes you want to just be this cute, like fluff ball of a bee running around. And sometimes yeah. you want to be a little more monstrous, and you want to chase people around. Um, so I actually created. I did create a <laughs> uh, a shape key for my current avatar that. Um, has this nice slow transition or slow transformation effect, just making what should be this cute chibi B avatar into something that is much, much larger and much more pointy. And uh, right, and it just it 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 works really well. And the, just having that immersiveness really uh, really helps things. Yeah. And, you know, for people who aren't aware, like, I think a lot of people have a background, at least to some degree in VRChat, not not necessarily in Neo. So when you're talking about shape keys and such, I think what I would almost want to impress upon people is like, you can actually see the shift happen in real time. It's not like necessarily just swapping one avatar out for another, which is often what is done yes, in VRChat. And- and that was that was very true of uh, the early days of Neos as well. It uh, of just doing a transformation by basically swapping avatar. So yeah, the systems that I'm working on right now are <laughs> hey, let's avoid a poof DF. 
<laughs> and uh, and and exactly. be able to actually have a full uh, transition of the transformation. Um, one of the fun yeah. systems that got built, uh, it was actually built as part of the weekly uh, weekly open building events that they host uh, called Creator Jam. Right. One of the systems they built on one of those events uh, was a full moon system. And you could put a moon in your, uh, in your world or in your map uh, that would go through cycles. And you could set the timing on the cycles and everything. And the nice thing was that this system would interface with any avatars that were configured to work with it. So you would have a full moon come up and everyone in the session who had an avatar that was capable of transformation would all transform at the same time and have this nice, oh, nice fantastic. slow monster transformation. It was great. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, one of the things I also think that is really cool about Neos, like you've said, is that you are actually able to do these things. Like I've heard it kind of compared to like, the G mod of VR, which is kind of a funny way. It is a funny way, but that's a pretty accurate way. Um, I also think of it as a natural successor to Second Life. One of uh, Second Life's original ideas was to have everything in all of the world building and avatar building happen in game. Um, And they started... 20 years ago and they were there's definitely still some limitations on their their platform um but uh with neos and to a a a smaller degree with vr chat as well um we are seeing Mm -hmm. uh what happens when you're able to remove those limitations um and uh creators can just it's uh you know one of one of the motivational signs I have up in my my home world is uh, create the things you wish existed. That That's a great motto, honestly. And I feel like that is something that a lot of people would like to do, particularly from the perspective of TF. I'm, I'm curious, though. So uh, obviously, we've been talking a lot about Neos, and we touched a little bit about on, uh, on VR chat. Are any of the things that you're working on right now even possible in VR chat, or are there limitations in introduced by the kind of platform just too limiting to make any of this come to life? There? So uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that probably most of the limitations to anything I make working on VR chat would be with myself and my lack of knowledge of Unity. Um, Someone who's an expert mm-hmm. in Unity <laughs> probably can bring a lot of this to life in VR chat. Um, there are a couple oh, okay. of things that are, as far as I am aware, not possible uh, in VR chat. Although they have been getting better uh, uh, recently, they are getting a lot more inter-user interaction uh, going, um, and it still requires a lot mm-hmm. of pre-setup. Uh, to be able to make use of those, uh, but it's nice to see that they're they're starting to get that interaction where users can intera- interact with each other. Um, certain things I, that I don't think would work uh, is, and this is 
one that's I'm not sure why they don't have it, but um, in Neos, mm-hmm. they're by default, and you can actually turn it off and make it work more like VR chat if you want. Uh, but deep by default, your uh, your head uh, is visible to you. So if you're in an avatar with a muzzle, you can actually see your muzzle in your view. Um, and this is something that's, right. as far as I'm aware, not possible in VR chat. Um, and that's, I, I need yeah. that. Uh, that's, that, that makes things so much more immersive yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm so used to it myself now, honestly. Like every time I've jumped into VR chat these days, I'm like, wait, where's my snow? Where did it go? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that is very true. Um, I think that's probably the one big uh, interaction point. Uh, the rest of it mm-hmm. just has to do with workflow and ease of uh, tuning and building, um, where if you're having to build everything outside of the, uh, uh, you know, outside of the platform and then upload it each time you make a change, then iterating over something and figuring out what works can take much longer. Uh, on the flip side, you end up mm-hmm. with, by the time anyone on the platform sees uh, these works, they're all finished. They're, it, the, I have had people describe that the world builds in VRChat are much better. This is probably a quantity thing because uh, there's so many more builders working on worlds for VRChat yeah. than there are for Neos, just for the larger community. Um, but I think that uh, uh, there's this disconnect where you don't quite see how much work is involved in building one of these worlds uh, because it's already done yeah. by the time you see it. All you see is the finished product and the the fun of making use of that product. Uh, whereas, um, mm-hmm. and this is probably kind of a problem with Neos, is you will have, people will spend so much time building that they uh, don't uh, get time to enjoy their creations. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there's always someone to something yes, to tweak or fix. There are you. there are many memes about uh, people always modifying something or having an inspector open or bringing out their dev tools. There is. Uh, I'm sorry, I just completely blanked and lost my thought there. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, I guess then I'm curious. You know, when it comes to creating some of this kind of TF content, how does it work exactly? Like, what is the process that you go through to, for example, create the more monstrous version of your B avatar? And I ask this because, you know, I have come to some of the creator jams and I'm like completely overwhelmed when I go in because I'm like, I see all these like logic flows up on people's screens with their dev tools. And I'm like, I have no idea how any of this works, what is happening. So I would love to learn a little more yeah, about that. Um, and that is that is another uh, certainly valid complaint uh, that I have seen come up is that things feel overwhelming. Um, I'll say I have uh, mm-hmm. just over 3,500 hours in Neos, and I'm still learning things. Holy so shit. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's kind of important. And this 
this is true for Blender as well. Um, I have probably 10,000 hours in Blender, and I am still still very much learning. There's so much to learn there that it's impossible for anyone to be able to pick up all of it instantly. And that's okay. That's, uh, it's basically, you have to let yourself understand that there's going to be things that are outside of your knowledge uh, and you will, you'll pick them up in time. You'll pick them up as you need them. Um, uh, right. And it helps to have a, a community that's, that's willing to teach. And I think that, honestly, I think that's true of uh, Neos VR chat and Blender. Um, I think all three have mm-hmm. really good communities that are willing to help and and, and teach. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's basically yes, you're overwhelmed. There is there's a lot there, um, and basically you just you pick something that you want to do like starting off with an idea uh, and just start refining that idea one step at a time where you go through uh, basically the, you know, making the, the, the monstrous transformation, for example, Uh, I started Mm -hmm. looking at, uh, okay, what would I need to make this not be a poof TF? Well, I know, I know I'll need to, to make a shape key, uh, so let me go uh, work in Blender and start making, um, you know, start making a new shape key there. Uh, learning a bunch of sculpting tools as I'm going along, um, and I probably spent two months on that shape key. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, but I learned a ton about different processes in Blender of how to work by having that having that goal of okay I know what I want this to look like let me just go through each piece as I run into the next question um, you know right. and sometimes the questions are okay how do I do this task at all sometimes it's a thought of wow this is really tedious and repetitive I wonder if there's a way if there's a better way of doing you know, a specific task. And almost always there is. Doing the same type of work within Neos, um, and honestly, I believe within Unity as well, is pretty much the same thing. It's, okay, I want the system to respond to the full moon system. Um, Okay, well, let me go Mm -hmm. research that and see what it's using to... Uh, talk to all of the avatars in the world to tell them, hey, the moon's out. Um, and then, okay, what do I need to be able to read that from my avatar? Okay, what do I need to respond to that and make the transformation happen? Okay, what do I need to slow the transformation down so it's not instant? Uh, uh, just going through one question after another uh, and and doing what you can to answer them. No, that makes sense. And, you know, I imagine that, like you said, the more experience you have working through these systems, working in Blender, working within Neos's 
uh, engine itself, the better you get at kind of thinking about this flow of, you know, doing this, doing that, doing the other thing to get to the final product of having an avatar that can shift or what have you. Um, when it comes to the logic flows within Neos, um, and again, I I confess I don't know as much as, as I would like to, um, is it, would you say that it's a system that's difficult to pick up? Or like you said, because there are those creator jams, there are people that can kind of help you through the process if you're learning as a beginner. There's definitely, it can be intimidating at first because there are so many uh, components and uh, logics nodes. Uh, logics is the program. You know, logic is the programming language for Neos. Yeah. Um, it is a visual uh, uh, node-based language, which works great for building for uh, writing code within VR. Um, but it's definitely yeah. it's it's having to wrap your head around it if you're only used to uh, typing out code or not used to programming at all. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, it can definitely take some uh, effort to, to, to kind of grow accustomed to using it. Uh, um, yeah. But there are a ton of people who are very knowledgeable about how the logic systems work. Um, very recently, myself included, um, but that's only from a lot of <laughs> practice and trial and error and asking a whole bunch of questions. Um, so I, I definitely think yeah. it's a uh, it's a case of uh, never be afraid to ask questions uh, on things. Um, yeah. I think a lot on the Blender and Unity side, most of the help in that section seems to be videos. Um, where I wouldn't really have someone specific I'd go to ask questions of. I would more so uh, go do uh, uh, research online, searching for if people had run into these problems uh, that I was running into. Um, So there is a little bit of difference in how you seek help for each platform, but uh, I think the end goal is the same. Gotcha. So then when we think about the kind of transformation content that is in Neos, um, I'm curious since we've kind of just danced around a little bit, but are there any like particular kinds of transformation content that either you've made or that you've seen within Neos that really stands out as being incredible? I mean, obviously we've talked about the full moon system, but I'm wondering if there's other things that you'd like to kind of touch on that you think are super cool that people might yeah. be interested to know exists. <laughs> so there, uh, there is the full moon system. There is also uh, probably one of the most popular systems out there now is the petrification system, uh, yes. which um, a lot of people have done some really creative expansions on the base system um, to create all sorts of interesting effects. Uh, one of the effects that they added was actually a progressive uh, petrification mm-hmm. where uh, if someone got petrified, it would actually 
you know, start at their feet and freeze their feet first and then their legs. And then, you know, it would like move up their avatar's body, um, mm -hmm. progressively freezing individual joints as it moved, uh, moved through the process. Um, and so you would end up with some really interesting results because you have people able to uh, uh, respond to being slowly petrified and, you know, they get their faces in a great expression by the time, yeah. by the time they're, they're, they're fully frozen. Um, uh, people have built the system into all sorts of different game worlds. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I've actually been working on a, uh, um, it's a cave maze game, uh, that uses the system, um, where runners have, have to uh, run through a series of uh, cave-styled mazes. Um, mm -hmm. And the added fun is that one out of every four people, or I'm sorry, one out of every five people playing the game uh, end up as a hunter. And so the runners are not just trying to make it through the maze, they're actually being chased. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so that just that just adds so much more of a d dynamic to what should be a pretty simple game, um, and mm -hmm. and very much adds to the immersiveness of it. Um, yeah. and people have a, just have an absolute blast with it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other interesting systems that are worth mentioning. I think those are probably the two big ones. Yeah. I will say as well that something that I appreciate in Neos that is actually very simple and built into um, the engine itself already is the ability to change your size on the fly. Yes. Like, I think that's a really great feature for Neos because you can be as big or as small as you would like. So obviously, you know, lots of fodder for the macro micro people. Mm -hmm. um, and it always brings such an interesting dimension when you can do it, you know, what, uh, in the moment, like, you know, holding down the, the controls and like making yourself bigger, larger or bigger or smaller at whatever speed you want. I think that has always stood out in particular as being a super cool feature that I feel like should be easy to do in VR chat, but it doesn't seem to exist there, unfortunately. Yeah, um, VR chat lets you set specific sizes for an avatar, so you can right. have different sizes, but the smooth scaling of your size or being able to adjust another user's size is, yes. as far as I'm aware, not possible and someone who's a vr chat expert will i'm sure correct me on that um, <laughs> and I, uh, I, I i like i i see all these systems in in neos and i you know i want them to to, to show up on the other platforms as well uh, i want i want others to be able to to enjoy the same level of uh, uh, uh immersiveness oh yeah 100 percent. i wish so much of this existed over on VR chat too, because I know that there's lots of TF furries on VR chat who mm -hmm. I'm sure would love to uh, in have that happen to their avatars or inhabit systems similar to the ones on Neos. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, again, I think it's a, 
to allude to our prior conversation, there's a sense of black hole gravity with VR chat in the sense that it is a certain size. And so because of that, it is self-sustaining and everyone mm-hmm. kind of jumps to that. I know obviously when they were doing the, I forget the acronym, but they were implementing something that caused a bunch of people to run over to the other VR sites. Right. Um, I think it had to do with like the NSFW models or something. I will admit that was literally when I was getting into VR. So I was like brand new and everything was on fire and I didn't know what was going on. But um, <laughs> I remember when people were, when that was going on, I think like Neos had like 4,000 people on it at one time. And it was like, kind of like, those are crazy numbers. And now it's back down to like the normal, like, usually 400 400 500 users. people yeah, yeah 500 it's yeah. um yeah that was that was definitely uh, vr chat tried to do a security related thing and right. proceeded to break their moder- modding community um the uh i will say that neos has has a healthy modding community the modding community actually includes s- several of the neos devs uh, so uh, yeah. they have they have full support of neos to continue with with their mods um, a lot of the mods do end up making it into the into the main game um, so that's that's always neat to see um, you were briefly you were briefly mentioning about being able to change your size and that actually just reminded me of another system uh, that someone set up oh, where yeah. they could uh, specifically steal someone's size. Uh, they would go up and do a certain gesture, and the user they were doing the gesture at would shrink. And as they were shrinking, this person with the system would start growing. Oh um, yes. And so there's that you know that adds that 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 little bit of extra fun to uh, uh, to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the uh, the size theft that you can do in Neos is very cool as well. I have gotten to experience that. It can be quite fun. So, um, And also, like, there's even a decent amount of, like, latex stuff, too, which I actually think yes. that one, excuse me, that one I think I have actually seen in VRChat to some degree because it's, mm-hmm. like, a texture change instead of, like, a like a wholesale, like, you know, needing a shape key or what have you. Right. Um, so that one has been nice to see kind of around. I obviously am. I'm a, a big fan of that. So I'm glad that exists on, on both ends. Um, but yeah, there's just so many cool different uh, TFE things that I've seen within Neos that I really hope one day will make it over to VR chat or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have people figure them out. Because again, I feel like one of the common refrains is, oh, you know, I wish TF was real. And I mean, obviously, yes, same, but there are ways Agreed. out there right now to, <laughs> to like experience that to some degree. And I think, you know, obviously there's a, a restriction around accessibility with, you know, headsets and such, but even yeah. on desktop, I mean, there's still a lot that you can really experience. And at the end of the day, even if you're on like desktop, like the programs are free, lots of people are happy to share um, the things that they have gleaned that are TF related and, you know, give others the opportunity to experience them for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just such a cool thing of this newest stage of whatever the hell the internet is turning into. Um, and the pun is intentional there. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very accurate though. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I completely agree. There's uh, uh, speaking of, 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 
latex stuff and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one other system that is an inflation system um, right. that a, another friend of mine has been working on, and he's like he's actually gotten it working really well. Where there's just all sorts of interaction you can do with that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is very cool, and I will have to find out more about that later because uh, that sounds very good. Um, (laughs) um, I guess I'm curious then, are there any kinds of TF that aren't currently in NEOS uh, that you would love to see implemented in some way, knowing obviously yourself what kind of restrictions the system does have on it, on itself? That's a good question. Um, I think... I would like to see more of. I'd like to see more systems that are not requiring a bunch of setup, uh, pre-setup mm-hmm. on someone's avatar. Um, I like the idea of any user being able to come in with their existing avatar and not have to do a bunch of working an inspector, that sort of thing, yeah. to be able to experience those effects on their avatar and have the the system be able to create create those TF effects uh, yeah. without poofing them into another avatar, uh, but without requiring a bunch of pre-setup. Um, yeah. And I think we'll get there at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have some ideas towards that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's something that's still uh, still needed. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And honestly, in my opinion, one of the one of the things I really do hope for someday is the ability to have someone be able to take up, you know, for example, like a a set of like human avatars, maybe that are like set up to do this kind of thing but like have the ability to have your like a human-like avatar turn into your sona would be very cool um and i'm (laughs) sure that is a ways off but it's kind of a permutation of what you're saying it would be really nice to have that kind of freedom where you don't have to do all that setup in advance again i I know why there's the setup in advance and why it's so so tricky but um (laughs) at some point in the future it would be really nice if that was a possibility because i think in particular for TF folks and transformation interested people, you know, that is such a large draw to be able to have or watch themselves turn into the thing that they want to be. Uh, yeah. And oftentimes that ends up being people's sonas. So that's what it, why that comes to mind. But, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> no, that's that's actually a really good idea. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I definitely think that would carry a lot of weight as well. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, 100%. there's been a lot of interesting. Um, there's actually been a lot of uh, psychological research into how VR affects uh, affects the mind and how uh, mm-hmm. the human mind adapts to uh, the the changing uh, stimulus that it's getting from VR, um, right. and that's definitely manifested a lot. Um, and I'm sure it has in VR chat as well. Of mm-hmm. um, uh, people will call it phantom sense or phantom touch. Um, uh, being able to uh, 
feel these extra limbs that you now have, uh, yeah. or, 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 you know, feeling the fur on your arm or feeling some, another user, uh, you, you know, touching your arm or something, even though it's purely visual, um, mm -hmm. the, the, the brain is really good at adapting to those, uh, situations. Yeah. Uh, and that's always been so cool to me. The fact that, you know, you can have the brain almost rewire itself to react to those visual stimuli. Like mm -hmm. it's just such a cool thing. And particularly if you do get to experience VR through a headset, I mean, it, it heightens it so much in terms of, um, you know, afterwards being like, Oh, I, I almost like thought there was something there, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's just so nice. <laughs> I, uh, for a while, the, the avatar, the B avatar I was using previous to the one I'm currently on, had mm -hmm. four arms, um, and I had the forearms set up so that I could actually make use of all four of them. And wow. I was in that avatar for probably six months um, mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, like eight or nine hours a day sort of thing. Um, yeah. So plenty of exposure to that. Uh, and I'll say I was starting to get phantom touch for the lower arms, uh, wow. which was really interesting. And it was... There was nothing to, there was no physical limb there for the brain to disagree with mm -hmm. uh, of just the visual stimuli from that. Um, thankfully, it never ran into any sort of problems with me trying to pick up anything in real life with my lower arms. But... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been funny, although potentially unfortunate. But, um... <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I would love for that to to be a, a more of a thing, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, still waiting for uh, Phantom Tail on my end, but uh, maybe <laughs> it'll show up one day. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know a lot oh. of people have used uh, various meditation techniques to actually try and force things along or help things along. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they've a lot of people have actually had a fair bit of success at that. Um, so mm -hmm. it's definitely something, it is a, uh, it's a learned skill like everything else. Um, but I think, I think that, uh, uh, well, it just adds to the, uh, the uh, immersiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. So that was kind of all of the questions that I had. I don't know if you had any questions for myself. Um, actually, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think I have anything too. else. <laughs> no, well, that's fantastic. And, um, hey, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences and taking the time to come on to the podcast. Um, if people are looking for you on the web, where can they find you? So, uh, I am Ikani, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm primarily on Twitter, although I have been moving over to Mastodon lately. Uh, the mm -hmm. link is in my profile. Um, uh, I'm on Discord and Telegram uh, under, well, Telegram under Akani B. Uh, um, actually, the rest of the info is in my Twitter profile as well. Um, okay, and perfect. of course, I am on Neos as Akani. And I, I will definitely offer to anyone who's interested in learning the platform 
um, I am pretty much always open to showing people around or pointing them in the direction of someone who can. Yeah, absolutely. I remember even just like when I met you for the first time in Neos, we got to do the, um, you showed me the marionette uh, tool, I think. Um, in Neos, yes. That was very cool. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you everyone for listening to the episode today. Um, as always, if you have questions for us, you can always leave a comment under the video on YouTube, or you can tweet at us uh, either at the uh, TF Tuesday Pod account or using the hashtag TF Tuesday Pod hashtag. And as well, always you can join our Patreon over at Patreon.com/slash TF Tuesday Pod. Um, but thanks for listening. I hope you all had as enjoyable a time listening as I did having this discussion. And I hope that you all get some good rest, uh, drink a lot of water, keep an open mind, and stay TFE. And we will see you all again next week. But until then, bye for now. Bye.